Ask the GMs, Episode 6, Call of Cthulhu. Thank you for joining us for Part 2 of this episode. Now, RC, as the most recent member to get some, tell us about spells. I love spells. The last two characters that I've had have ended up with spells. Um, In Call of Cthulhu spells, they have a lot more potency, and the cost for doing them is so much higher. Um, as previously mentioned, we summoned the literal devil to open a jar of pickles. Uh, I get us out of a situation that we didn't see a way out of, but we're told later it was very easy. Anyways, there was uh, summoning an elder god <laughs> just for some quick help is great. Um, the other character that I have in Ian's pulp game has defied gravity, where um. I can change the orientation of gravity for myself and walk up walls, walk on a ceiling, pretty much do whatever I want. Yeah, you can do some Inception stuff. Sick. Yours. I love the idea of spells in Call of Cthulhu. I've never never attempted to have any kind of access to spells because they terrify me. And I love that about them because they cost something. It's not just... It's almost like, you know, like The Witcher. It's like magic costs. It's going to it's going to cost and it's going to be taking out of well, Remember out Ian of almost Ian almost had his likely. heart sucked out. Yep. It's terrifying and that makes it even more awesome. And not only that, they go at um I think cuz Zach sends me like Call of Cthulhu spells every once in a while messenger and sometimes the ingredients that they take to make they borrow from, would you say, what, real-world mythos? Like tra- traditional folklore Zach? and stuff, if you're referring to, like, the flight spell from witches, yeah, you have to you have to kill an unbaptized mm-hmm. male child. And use his rendered fat to make this poultice to be able to go flying. So it's very dark in that, but it's crazy the fact that they did the research that goes into it to pull from real-world, like, mythos and fables and so on and so forth to cast these dark spells. Okay, Lindsay, not to pick on you again, but tell us about tomes and reading spooky books. Because you did that a couple times in Mask. Also, uh, tomes or, and even paintings. <laughs> um, anything like that. Um, reading anything. Uh, it's funny when, when anytime Zach is like, and then you find this book. And then he looks at you and you're like, cool, that's great. He's like, do you want to read it? And then the terror sets in because in Call of Cthulhu, tomes, reading, reading books, reading ancient books, reading anything like that also comes at a cost. Um, Because even just successfully finding the book and then, and then opening it and being able to read it, depending on what kind of skill you have, um, uh, can be incredibly dangerous. Uh, for your for your mental health, um, uh, you you can lose quite a bit of sanity just by reading a book. Is it bad that the Reading Rainbow theme song went to my brain whenever Take a I look this in a book? It's <laughs> Reading Rainbow. Now I just want like Call of Cthulhu, Reading Rainbow. Yeah, I can summon elder gods. <laughs> Oh wait, or I want to say Zach. Remember that one time we had a Greg 
that had the Necronomicon, uh, but forgot that. Well, he no. Had it. Not only did he forget that he had it, and he had he had the OG Necronomicon. He wanted to like sell it. Like, no man, that's not something you could just flip. <laughs> I mean, what was the end game there? Like, how much one like? Wouldn't the knowledge contained be a little more important than any money? You well, not only that, like, would you like who's gonna buy it? And then, do you trust the person buying it? No, I don't. Like, you're literally like selling like a nuclear missile. Yeah, nah. <laughs> you got the Necronomicon. Oh, I did. Oh, ignored oh, shit, it I completely. Forgot. <laughs> After like taking like lessons to learn Arabic to read it, then never never even cracked it. I'm like, okay, man. Cool. Here's a toy to play with. Forgets about it. Like I said, tomes and paintings. Tomes and paintings. Well, to go with spells, tomes, paintings, and monsters. Talk about sanity. So sanity. That's uh pretty fun. It's kind of your alternate health pool, I should say, but also interesting narrative hooks or additions to gameplay that really change things up. Um, some memorable ones I can remember happening to me. Um, I think I've gone blind a few times, actually, from just the sight of some unsightly things. Um, I know one time I developed a fear of women. Um, there was that time we mentioned earlier where I just went into an insane rage um, in my most recent development, which is probably my most preferred uh, insane thing to do, is have the um, desire to want to run away from all your problems. So I was in a bad situation there, and it's like, oh, I get to run away? Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but I also like the fact that Call Cthulhu has all the names of the phobias, if I remembered them, I, I would bring them up. But um, that's also interesting because, you know, a lot of them are real-world world phobias. Um, what about you, RC? Do you have any interesting I've only phobias had the that came the up for you? So far. Um, the, the one that I got in Delta Green, and I, I wouldn't mind having it in Call of Cthulhu too, just because it would be terrifying to deal with, or people would just leave you behind, was Catatonia. So whenever I would get too stressed, I would go completely catatonic and unresponsive. And I would just love to have that play out during a Call of Cthulhu campaign, like whenever something really strenuous is happening, and then all of a sudden, boom! And then you're just not doing anything. It can uh, yep. lead into light as a feather, stiff as a board. <laughs> yeah, I that was a, that was really entertaining to like play with, um, because after the first or second time we didn't know how long it was going to last right away. So I think at one point, I think I carried your character and just like chucked you in the back of a van and we drove away while you're like still catatonic. It was a good blast. Um, Brian, what have you had happened so far? Um, so at kind of towards the end of our playthrough of uh, two headed serpent, I uh, grabbed a serpent staff that I had taken, but actually hadn't touched. Like with my hand, I'd used other implements, like a cloth or something, to like grab it. And I, I, I don't know. We were trying to get through the jungle, and I thought maybe it would do the same thing as the flame pistol, or something would work. And I like pulled it out of my bag and failed my sanity roll, 
instantly, very poorly. I believe I fumbled it and um, immediately passed out and had a terrible dream where I was surrounded by snakes and then was consumed by a large snake. Um, that, and I didn't really get to move past that because um, I think that was the last, last session we played. And then, yeah, I know. I know you had epileptics. Epilep. I can't say the word. Seizures, and you had a death grip on it, and the party had to figure out like how to get it out of your hand. Yes, and as a player, I had an unhealthy fixation on wanting to keep it because I think Lindsay and Zach were like, "Let's bury it with the nuclear warhead that we're about to bury," and I was like, "No, I must keep this. I want this thing." Oh God! Had you guys done that? Like, uh, I think I told you guys when we were playing. You guys are going so far off the rails. I don't know what to do, but I'm loving it. <laughs> but I believe the the mania you developed was a fear of snakes afterwards, and you're playing in a, you know, module called Two Headed Serpent, so it probably was going to come up. It was 100% going to come up, but I had kind of a, I had something in my back pocket for that because my character was like a, uh, the, he had hypnosis because he was like a therapist. So I was planning on hypnotizing myself to subvert that or at least make it not a, a phobia, but at least just an aversion, um, depending on you, of course. And then uh, the other, I had one more. Um, and I can't think of it right now. Well, all I can say is my favorite part of the sanity rules in Call of Cthulhu is I'm allowed to read the most heinous, horrible stuff to you guys. And then just look at your faces and be like, oh, what kind of rule? Like, how much sanity damage, Zach? Oh, you get the D20. The one I can specifically remember was uh, Ian looking in that duffel bag in Delta Green. <laughs> So good. What, what's in the duffel bag? So oh, good. it's a, it's like a mummified child that's talking to to the person yep. in the duffel bag. <laughs> that's when Ian went all like off the reserve. Like he was. That's that was his. Was that one of the? That was his last yeah. where he was just completely gone. I think. Or was that right before wild. that? It was right before that. Okay. All right. Okay. Gotcha. Right. 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 Now, Zach, I gotta ask you because I wasn't there. What did it say to Ian? Like, will you be my daddy? And it wasn't talking to Ian. It was talking to someone else. Oh, Ian just okay. heard it. Like, speak. Yeah. He just happened to hear it and see, like, yeah. Uh, Ooh, blah, blah. Okay, next topic. Uh, I want to call out their editing team and design team, how they lay out books, the fact that they provide you with a ribbon bookmark, the fact that each chapter ends with all the monsters in that chapter, it includes all the spells you're going to cast. It has a, all the books have a good forward, like, hey, your party members should have this for players, or consider this for players, or in playtesting, we found this and this and this. You get so many good notes and references and like links to historical works. They definitely put the effort in there. And then sometimes you pick up a D&D book and you're like, I paid 50 bucks for yeah. that. Um, and and this, this may be a later comparison thing. I'm not sure how much further along it is in the notes. And I believe Pat may have brought it earlier where you bought the expanded version of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden and you had me read through just the book 
of Children of Fear, and I was immediately floored by just the sheer level of content that was available within like the first 30 pages of Children of Fear, and just utterly let down by Rhyme of the, by Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Yeah, we did like a first thirty pages it was, comparison. It was rough, and you you have handouts for both of these, don't you? Uh, Frostmate just has like two handouts in the back. That's it. And if I'm not mistaken, Children of Fear is another one that has a box set that you could get with a bunch of handouts. I know Mask does. Children of Fear does not yet. Doesn't mean it won't. And um. I'll say as far as, you know, the Two-Headed Serpent book that got me, um, I haven't really run any um, modules for any tabletop system prior to that. But, you know, you get into the chapter, you get like a paragraph or two synopsis of what's going on in this chapter. Then you get your key characters after that and, you know, what they know or what they don't know. Then you get, you know, into the meat of the story. And at the back of that chapter are the, you know, monsters and their stats or the people and their stats that's applicable for that chapter. So to run that chapter, you're just looking in that chapter. You're not flipping back and forth through the book, you know, looking in index indexes or grabbing other books. What you have is what you need. So the the layout is just fantastic because I've seen, you know, after going through that, I looked at some D and D modules and it's like, Oh yeah, all the monsters are here in the back. So you got to flip back there to go to this. And then you got to flip over here to look at that. And it's just a nightmare as far as layout is concerned. Well, not only that, how many modules or call of Cthulhu adventures or campaigns have we sat and talked about all the stuff we didn't get to? And you guys are thorough players. Like, you guys turn over a lot of rocks. And th- technically not Call of Cthulhu, but uh, Delta Green. I know that there was a massive section of that book that we completely glossed over. Yep. It's not just fluff either. You know, it's stuff that. Yeah, no, it's full content. It. Like, it's not like, oh, like Bill like had a garden. Like, no, it's. Full content, like full storylines. Didn't we miss out on going to like Vegas in uh, Delta Green? Like a complete, we missed that storyline. Yeah, you know, you could have gone to Vegas. There was a whole other section with like a therapy group. There were a lot of houses you never went to. But it was, it's always the same in, in Call of Cthulhu as well. I feel like, and, and I feel like we always, we always, there's always more that we didn't get to, which is, which is always good. I'm surprised you guys didn't go to Vegas, man. Oh. You could have got blackjack and hooks. Well, we were all 50 <laughs> at the time, right? It's kind of difficult. <laughs> 50. We were 50. Wait, age 50? Y'all uh, were all 50-year-old? How old like was your kid, kid Lindsay? Because you were the oldest out of everybody. <laughs> I was uh, 52. Oh, time. my God. You might as well have been in the grave at that point. I know. I know. <laughs> That's an old age for any Cthulhu character. I mean, I feel. I mean, really, honestly, the penny slots. I mean, come on. I mean, that's where. That's where I would have gone. Yeah. No, Zach, <laughs> you you wouldn't have wanted to GM for a hooker situation, would you? We didn't mention <laughs> it in my pet peeves in the pet peeves episode, but it's one of my secret ones. Don't, as a clown, go down on another character and like while the DM's away from the table and like animate that for all the other players. 
Because had I been at the table, oh, I, I would have shot that down. But it happened. I remember that. Yeah, you definitely walked away for that. I wasn't involved for all of this, <laughs> but it did happen. Wow. Wow. I heard that story. Yep, my response is like, uh, my head is like literally in the fridge getting a beer. I come back, that's happening. He's like, what are you doing? Stop. End scene immediately. (laughs) Fade to black. Fade to black. (laughs) So for the final part of the episode, we're just going to just spew about what we love about Call of Cthulhu. We're going to talk about all the fun adventures we've played. Starting with Edge of Darkness. This is the one where the old man is dying and left you guys a shack or like a cabin and you got to go... Get the gin uh, out. I'm glad. I'm glad you because uh, I, I did not remember the name of that one. Um, had others played it other than me and Luke and RC? I feel like Brian played it too. Lindsay has definitely played it with me. We played it at Free RPG Day. Okay, so we've yep. we've, we've played different with iterations Hobo, with Hoboken. Yeah. 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 yeah, I let that was one I let Zach. I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, Zach, why don't you decide what I what I play? And then he just rolled a dice, and that's what I played. You played a hobo on the same setting I played a hobo on because that was what? my one. Hobo that's oh, awesome. I want to just hear crazy. how yours went. I believe at one point, uh, one of the characters was hungover, and one of the other PCs was hungover. So my character decided to provide them with an old remedy for a hung for a hangover and basically convince this person to put a bucket on their head and and then i and then i slapped the crap (laughs) 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 so you were just full-blown hoboing did your hobo have an angle to him or you were traditional hobo oh traditional traditional very traditional Mm -hmm. uh, down home yep (laughs) <laughs> Mine was um, an art college student, so he he was an artist hobo, but he was still you know full on hobo in it. Um, I do remember. I think maybe I had a hobo a hobo knife fight in the basement of Stud House, or Luke was the muscle, and I think I was just ego uh, egging him on and being like, "Hey, this is my new turf. Like, you get out of here." While Luke beating the tar out of him, I don't know. <laughs> yes. That whole scenario did bring to mind, like, wow, art is actually a pretty good Call of Cthulhu skill because I was able to copy um, different, like, I don't know, magical markings. I think I was my guy was painting a uh, pentagram of some sort on the floor or something to ward off the evil that the whole shack scenario was based around. The the whole shack, the the climax of the shack is fantastic. Whenever you finally get around to. Uh... Trying to... Oh, yeah. it's bear! <laughs> Fucking bear attacks, <laughs> and not to mention, isn't there? A, there, there's a yeah. girl that's like out in the field somewhere that, like, full on evil dead walks her way up to the house and is like, "Let me in, let me in," and you're like, "No!" <laughs> yeah, they, all the spirits were trying all sorts of angles via like fear or pressure or collusion or play to your um i I don't know like your your good nature or something to get in so that shot got heated quick i I believe that uh even you could get temporarily possessed by them as well it 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 was wild oh man 
and and the gin in the attic was pretty much the quintessential boogeyman like oh no we can't open the store we well, can't no, my do favorite it. part is like hey you want to stick your head up in the attic hell no <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure that when when that conversation came up the image that went through my head is like you stick your head up and then all we hear is a and then your body falls from the staircase that goes through the attic. That's what that's what they literally put like in the modules. Like that's what happens. Oh. Now Lindsay and Brian will have to lead this next one. Unland, the creepy abandoned uh, amusement park with Tucker Carlson oh and his legal aide or his intern or whatever. His in his very reluctant intern. Who was the who is the um less talked about ignored uh liberal bush uh daughter yeah who who was forced into uh taking this internship Fox and News. then had to <laughs> with Tucker Carlson and had to uh, be his personal assistant um yeah that was woof yeah, and I like I want to get this on record. I know I've said it out loud before, but I want to put it on recorded record. I am so sorry because I felt like I was such a D to you the entire day. But it wasn't to you directly. It was me RPing and doing it to your character. It was beautiful. You don't have to apologize. It was amazing. You were doing a beautiful but job. Intern is dead. Not job. the third one this week. Jesus, save her. Oh, didn't work. Throw her in the lake. Oh shit, not straight, again. Straight up. Oh shit, not again. Straight up throws my body in the lake. <laughs> and then like the, the worst part of that is like yep. you reanimate it too. So now you're just wet and have like a hole in your chest. Yep. So I, I was reanimated and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, come on, man. And because you can't leave on land, Tucker ran like in a giant circle and ended up by the Ferris wheel. And there was a woman that was like hanging like she like attempted to hang herself, but she was still alive. And I attempted to save her. And Lindsay, you came back around after you reanimated, seeing me try to save this like random woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and the situation hilarious. And I'm pretty sure that um, I lost all sanity. And because of you a did. giant marionette, or it kept getting bigger. Right, it was like a growing marionette. We were in the tunnel. Was it like a tunnel of love love or something that we were in? Yeah. Yeah. Mm Hmm. Yep. You went. You went totally. Yep. You were gone. I was dragging you out at that point. Yeah. Well, you you did make it out. Like you made it to the house of mirrors, and I you had to give up something. I think you had amnesia. You like left with amnesia. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yep, and 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 a nice, you know, whatever. I don't know if the bullet left any marks, right? Or no, you stabbed me, right? It was was the crazy guy in the park stabbed you with like a pole. That's right. He stabbed me with a pole. That's what it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I like. I think I tried to shoot him, but I I might. I think I got him, and then I ran up to you, and that's when I prayed to Jesus. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. You did. Do is is oh Lord, please help me now. Hopes and prayers. Hopes and prayers. Now for <laughs> Pat and RC, do you want to talk about Dockside Dogs? Oh my yeah. gosh! You want to tackle so this, this first? This RC? was my uh, 
major introductory to uh, the group playing Call of Cthulhu. And I, I got the youngest character out of the batch that shows up in Dockside Dogs, at least for the group that we had. And I had a blast whenever I was like, all right, yep, they've officially ruined this for me. I have nothing left to gain out of this. I have decided to become the agent of chaos and push the story along. And I, I killed one of the other players. And it was like, yes! <laughs> Oh, it was a fantastic moment. I believe the rest of us were all slack-jawed. No, yeah, everybody else was slack-jawed like, what? So it was a dramatic moment. Well, not only that, for the, for everyone who doesn't know, it's it's clearly based on Reservoir Dogs, but this, this weird, subtle twist going on in the background and going deeper gets crazier and crazier. Uh, I will say um, more to like kind of, you know, the smaller points in this, but they they were big points to me. Uh, we all had these pre-generated characters that all had code names, you know, Mr. Silver, Mr. Green, Mr. Purple. And we all had ties to one another that we got from the backgrounds of our characters, but we didn't know who knows what. And seemingly everybody had a secret. So we're all, you know, trying to guard what we're doing, but we're also trying to work together for a common cause. And um, it was also... Um, interesting, like, I guess from a scene point of view, it's all going down in this one warehouse. So it was a perfect one-off. And, um, I think we found out that Luke had killed RC's character's, um, sister or something. And that's whenever RC just flipped the switch and just jammed a knife in his gut. That was the big shocker for us that no one saw coming because we didn't know that RC was related to her. So it just, it all devolved really quickly. And, it, you know, everybody's giving each other the side eye, like, what you know? That sounds rad. That sounds well, like no, so I, much. Fun. I saved the character sheets just so we could easily run it in the future. Yeah, because I think the whole time I was an undercover cop, so I was constantly trying to convince people like, yeah, I'm I'm super scummy like you guys, uh, without trying to get my hands too dirty, because um, I think there was a debate on... Somebody had a girl in the trunk that none of us... Was, I think it, it was, was my R.C.'s sister's sister, sister, right, R.C.? Sister-in-law. And, you know, I was like, okay, I got to past that I'm with their gang so like yeah I'll tie her up and stuff and and like maybe punch her lightly or look like I'm punching her but I'm I'm not going to kill her cuz you know I'm obviously a cop and I'll try and stop that so I don't know it just had different dynamics for every single character that made it amazing Now Lindsay you weren't in our pet peeves episode but we didn't bring up children of fear a whole bunch and I commented it was some of my favorite characters. Did you have anything to add to Children of Fear? I really and uh, Children of Fear. I think was I think it was only my second time um, playing Call of Cthulhu, and we were playing it um, through Discord, and it was a a text based kind of uh, a deal. Um, and it was I think that's really I mean I loved the first the first time I played, but I really think Children of Fear is where I kind of fell in love with Call of Cthulhu. I really. I loved everyone's characters. I think everyone really, um, I think we just, it was just a really awesome experience. I, I had a fantastic time playing Children of Fear. Um, 
I really loved Pat's character a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was, a, I was a traitor and um, kind of a sweetheart of of a man. I really liked him. Um, so it was even sadder when he met his demise. It, yeah. it's, it hurt. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I was like, I like that yeah. guy. Because it, it, it kind of went into a subject we broached on uh, in earlier episodes where one of our Gregs was like, what's the point of, you know, your character dying like their story's over? And it's like, your character's death can be the, you know, apex of their story. Because like Lindsay said. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I believe Lindsay's character and Rob's characters and other ones is like, okay, we got to get this done because, you know, our buddy Hassan Akram, like, he died to help, you know, do this thing that we're working on. Just like how I think the Peru chapter in Mask is good for building our connection to Jackson Elias. And then yeah. we go further. And so we have almost, you know, this strong tie to Jackson Elias to do those things in Mask. And I think, um, <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry, uh, you're, and, and after your death, I think even the scene um, where, I mean, when we were, when we were in, you know, fighting this thing that we had no chance of beating and you had already, um, I think you had already gained that madness. So it was like, it was kind of like everyone went, oh shit, like we're, we're in trouble. Like we, <laughs> like what, we can't leave him. So it was this, just this insane moment and uh i think my character had already drawn and like it was in a bazaar like it wasn't there was so many people around um and i think my character had drawn her weapon already at that point and was going to fire i said i'm gonna fire and then one of the i believe it was one of the gregs we were talking about actually grabbed my character's arm and told her not to fire because we were in a bazaar um which was insane i mean at that point um, but it was something that triggered, I mean, that you're clearly to our characters, your character turning, obviously going mad and things turning so quickly. I think all of that accumulated into a moment where I, where there was just, we built a narrative beyond that between, t- mm-hmm. I mean, we had moments between my character and this Greg character um, later on that involved a bitterness about maybe I could have saved him if you hadn't, yeah. you know, stopped me, you know, or, you know, but, but like, but like we said, things like that can create a catalyst and then create moments beyond that. It's not, you know, it's not a, it's a ripple effect. It's, it, it's going to affect it. Yeah. I, um, my thing about children of fear, cause like Lindsay, because me and Zach were talking, I I think I was enjoying Children of Fear more than Mask myself. Um, we were doing it textually, so I feel like maybe we're able to RP better whenever we're doing it in a textual format versus, you know, in person, you don't have that time to think. Uh, and Or you may, you know, be shy as far as your acting capabilities. So I think our characters were able to come to life more in um, Children of Fear. And we definitely had a very solid cast that had, you know, just so much story behind them or so much expression to them. And um, the story itself, 
I, I don't know how it concluded because, you know, I, I died and I had to go to work at that time as well. Uh, I wasn't able to participate anymore. You guys didn't finish, did you, Lindsay? We didn't, no. Okay. But I I, um, I don't know if I should spoil it. Did, did Zach how, tell you essentially, like, how it concludes? No, I don't know how it concludes. Okay. Well, then I won't. But okay. the overall arc of how the story went and we met this, you know, wise mystic named Tenzin and we're having to do these rituals. Yeah, Tenzin was great. I love and it. And do these tantric rituals that seem kind off, like especially in that um, Mound of the Dead, Lindsay, is just yeah. like, are we sure this is good? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was definitely that moment where we're like, "Okay, take these bone flute and do some stuff," and you're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah dance around with the bones of the dead and play a bone flute." <laughs> you're like, "All right." And like, "It's okay, it's fine." Yeah. So he was like our moral guiding light, but you know, there was just other machinations going on in the background, and. The other cool part about Children of Fear is, you know, I don't know that much about Indian lore or um, uh, Hindu or Buddhist lore. So we really were learning more about that part of the world and different things that go on there or different views over there. Like that whole bar situation where uh, Hassan and... uh, yeah, yeah, they walked in there and they're like, no, English gentlemen only. And we're just like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't even think, I thought I just waited outside, but I can't remember. Because I was like, I ain't gonna get in here. Because yeah. it was a men's club. I think it was a men, like an actual men's club, but oh, I can't yeah. remember. But yeah, it was like, we were both like, well, screw it. Didn't we go get like kebabs or something? We were like, yeah, screw we're this, bye. <laughs> this while Rob does this fancy man thing. His fancy uh, Frank Sinatra white privilege. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely Frank Sinatra. In that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With, with yeah. a killer shot at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You came out, and w- or we both came out. I don't remember. And we were like, you were like, do you want to get kebabs? Because fuck this. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. <laughs> and then Zach uh, added a little extra uh, foil for us, your Gaunt character, Zach. Yeah, from Stephen King, that's based on Leland Gaunt, but it really motivated like the middle act of the campaign because it's kind of middling right there. And I thought it really motivated everyone. It really did. I think um, you used Gaunt very well with our characters' backstories and like everything to do with Lindsay was messing with her brother that she cares so deeply about. Or, you know, you were um, messing with uh, Hassan's, like, Muslim heritage and the lore of his people. And the Sword of Solomon, yeah. And offering them the Sword of Solomon and, you know, bringing up stuff about the Crusades and whatnot. So, uh, your Gaunt character added a lot of depth to our characters as well. He was great, and I hated him. Oh, yeah. You gotta hate him. Yeah, I definitely feel I will run masks again in the future in full and not mask uh, children of fear. And I'm excited about that. However, let's, let's do talk about masks. Talk about the big daddy of Call of Cthulhu. Mm. All right. Well, I don't think RC or Brian have any experience mask, right? So you, I'm sure Zach will revisit it. Right, I got the big prop set. I'm going to run it again eventually. Um, 
mask was fantastic to me because the the freedom you're globe trotting essentially trying to uncover this massive conspiracy that as i said covers the globe and um you're really given the tools to freely roam and kind of pick your path there's obviously you know a path that kind of somewhat makes sense and the cool part is you're tracking this other group called the Carlisle Expedition, who you're following the breadcrumbs that they have left and the clues to figure out what's happened to them. Um, because your friend Jackson Elias, that was the trail he was on before, you know, he got uh, departed from this world. Yes, he met an untimely end. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it was just fantastic all around. We had a good group of characters. Um, apparently, it, it was a fad for me and Ian to have sword canes that nobody knew about, but we both found out about each other simultaneously. Like, yeah. oh, you do sword canes? I do sword canes too, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to play a priest there. Ian was playing... Uh, we've talked about him before, Thaddeus Murdoch. Thaddeus, um, the third. Mm-hmm. Can't forget the third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard um, of him. Yeah, you might have heard of him. You may have heard of him. Um, and I, th- it was the Peru part of Mask, Zach, or did you have to look for that separate and decide? When to they add reprinted it? Mask, the set I have, they added Peru, so Peru is part of it. And then probably the best handouts of anything we've ever, ever, I mean, ever come on. I felt like an actual, because my character was a private investigator. I felt like a private investigator sitting there going through, you know, actual articles. Well, not only that, you guys also got like passports. Was... Like you could have your passports. Yeah. Put my stickers in my passport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. Uh, stickers that look like stamps. It was. I mean, and like Zach mentioned earlier, the uh, opening the the case file. Never, we couldn't get the case file. This or this, uh, what was it? Um, psychological file. It was the psychology, the psychological prof, like basically a file, a medical file, and no one could. We couldn't open it because the it was sealed, and um, with an actual like a medical like <laughs> document seal. And so I just, I was like, here, and I pulled out my pocket knife and we opened it. I mean, you can't, I mean, that's like, it was the coolest thing. It's, it was just excellent. It doesn't shock me that out, out of anybody, you carried the pocket knife. <laughs> well, Brian, you, Brian, I had mine, but I was also like holding the file at the time. Yep. Yep. So. No, I definitely looked forward to running masks again. It definitely has the legs. It can go the distance. I will. I will put it up against anything and I'm excited to run it in the future. I'm also going to announce to all of the players on this podcast. So everyone we're talking to right now that eventually when Ian's campaign finishes, I'm going to run horror on the Orient express and I've got, got some character concepts ready for everyone. I've got a French strongman, an Italian man of a thousand faces, an American buckaroo, a Russian occultist, a posh British spy and an Arab cat burglar. Can we call dibs yet? Not quite yet. <laughs> no, Not what quite we yet. Did for it. 
I want Lindsay to play the strong man. Yes. <laughs> and we'll go. be doing that in pulp. Or, ooh, good, fun. Ooh, the best form. I mean, the that's the solid format. I'm partial. Right. It, yeah, definitely my favorite. And too. we didn't mention it earlier, but let's cover it now. The fact that you can play Call of Cthulhu in so many settings. There's Invictus, so you can play Roman. You can play Regency Era, so you're in the Regency Era with Jane Austen. Which I'm really looking forward oh my to God, doing Regency. at some point. Ugh. We can do uh, Reign of Terror, so French Revolution. There's Gaslight, so that was Jack the Ripper. Uh, there's 1920s, that we're used to. There's World War II. Uh, there's a couple 70s one. There's Modern Day. Like, If there are humans, we can do it. We've even done a couple space ones a couple times. Ooh. Yeah, I want to play more in the space too. Space horrors are my favorite horrors. I, I wrote that down in the um, the ones we've played as the random one shot because I don't remember what it was called. You're talking about the one where you had the gunk droid and you were still Tucker. <laughs> yes. Oh wait, was that the yeah. murder mystery one? Yeah. Space Tucker. Yeah. Space Tucker yeah. was first. Oh, with it. And we all played. We all played like famous or iterations of famous. Oh, whoa, he detectives. was a famous investigative journalist. And, yes, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yes. And he got he got with one of his fans and got a a six second sex tape, not a gif, a tape. Yeah, I think six. I think six seconds is generous. Yeah, I, I figured that was generous. I did enjoy going down to the meeting with everybody in her kimono. Oh yeah, uh, that was way too cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Or your or your NRA card that just says I do whatever I want with a gun. Yep. Yeah. Uh, How did you bring that in here? Doesn't matter. We're beating Jesse on every roll to go talk to the union president. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> and also like. Like you played it so horribly, and you you used the crap out of that gonk droid. I thought it was just going to be like a cutaway. You used it in like every scene. Oh yeah, well it was because I kept creating new things for it. So it was videoing the meeting with the union leader, but we decided it was only going to be in silent film with captions that I got to add later. So you know it was going to be like she's talking, and it just says communist rhetoric, like. Just that. Just and, propaganda. Uh, propaganda. Propaganda. Oh, um, when uh, when Jesse assaulted me from the computer, it printed out a uh, a lawsuit for him. Um, and then after he threw that away, it printed out another one that said, "We know you would do that." Or the fact that, like, uh, you're like, "Hey, this mining executive who's horrid person, <laughs> horrid and terrible. Like, he's clearly innocent." Yeah, I I mean. I believe I, I did attempt to delete files from the computer that implicated him on being a horrible person. You did. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was uh it was probably like if if you could be the Joker, that was as close to the Joker as you could be. Anyone else? I want to do Call of Cthulhu in space. <laughs> Anyone else have some stand up Call of Cthulhu moments we want to call out before the episode ends? Uh it's not a my moment, but uh, I know, I know a couple of us were there for the time that one of our other players was dragged to hell. Well, Throne? yeah, third was third was being polite. <laughs> there were 
there were a number of contested roles between two different players that ultimately ended up in a a, a natural one and a uh, a forced roll of a one into a double natural one and just chucked directly into hell. Talking has got some great story moments in it. They're all just sitting there waiting for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's a good thing about Call of Cthulhu is you're more into the story because, I mean, I do love combat. You know, I, I like a little bit more action. That's why I, I lean towards pulp more. But it gets you so quickly into the story and just moving along and all the stuff that that entails. Well, and as unrealistic as it is, um, it's still got a element of realism based on just general knowledge of a situation that's similar. You know, like, oh, um, we're going to summon a god, and then there's, like, cloven hooves, and you don't know what actually happened, which is probably what would actually happen if you summoned a god, devil, whatever. My standouts are for Ian, uh, the 96-minute speech he gave at someone else's funeral but made it about him in the snow. Yeah. Uh, For Lindsay, it's her taking the pitchfork because at that point in the game, no one had taken like any real damage. And then everyone's like, oh, no, no, you can just die from like a random farmer. Yeah, I had eight eight, eight, eight HP, I think. And you were like, well, that does about six damage. And I was like, well, guys, (laughs) or seven damage or something. I was like, well, there she go. For Pat. And it was, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was ahead. definitely you versus the wizard. Bang, bang, bang. One damage. Run away. <laughs> Get the out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. You know, I, I think I aspire to create a character or, like, have, I just, I want a good death scene, I think. I can um, work with that. Coming up, and I think, yeah, that that's fine. Um, it's like, I got you. <laughs> yeah. We made and, that dream come true. I'll do my best to ad lib it too. Like I, because I, my character did die in Delta Green, but he just got consumed by a giant like maw. So there wasn't much to RP there. You're just like, oh, I'm gone. Yeah. And then Pat, your other one is still my Catholic priest sneaks into the cult, the suspected cultist <laughs> lair. There's a shot boy. I slit his throat and I feel horrible about it. And then I, as a, as a keeper, make the mistake. The cultist is dead. And he's just like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, <laughs> so we'd agree we wouldn't talk about that. I, I was not role playing well there, gang. I was a bad priest, okay? A bad as soon as you heard, <laughs> oh, it's a cultist. Thank Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Praise <laughs> Jesus. Thank Jesus. <laughs> Slightly innocent young man's throat. Jesus. <laughs> you have answered my prayers. I think, um, um uh, sorry, go ahead, Pat. Oh, I was going to say, uh, memorable moments for me. Um, that hotel, or not hotel, that apartment full of horrors. Um, I was sitting outside as the lookout. I thought this was going to be in and out job. How wrong I was. So, my my smuggler guy, he's just sitting in the car listening to the Boston Red Sox while um, Lindsay and Luke are taking a dance <laughs> with an elder god inside. And, you know, I'm just out there listening to the birds. That's happening. 
Uh, um, let's see some other memorable moments. I love when uh, Ian was in that uh, shipping company and uh, he was wanting to fill out forms. So he had this cane and he was just messing up all their paperwork, just causing all sorts of hullabaloo that was just driving them insane while we're all sneaking in the back. Um, let's see. Anyone else have one on the top of their head while throwing, I'm throwing a sure. flaming dead body over a balcony? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> into the street. Yeah. <laughs> Not well, even into an alley. It was in the street. Well, Ian's trying to explain to the hotel manager, like, oh, they're just moving around some furniture. Then Don't a worry about that. That's fine. Um, I, I'd like to think of the Two-Headed Serpent campaign. Uh, Ian, Zach, I, Ian goes to attempt to start a poker game with... So, no, 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 no. Uh, I was the... starting the poker game. Yeah, you try to do that, and something happened. Like, Ian got looked like the wrong way, and he started you know, a fight. He is like, I'm, like, I'm the cock of the walk. No one's taller than me. And someone's like, okay, we'll try this out. Yeah. Well, either way, it was like, there was about to be like 30 people against the two of you, maybe somebody else. Meanwhile, like I'm with Rob out in the jungle with doing the monkey arms deal, because um, you know hypnotizing uh, a monkey to persuade him to trade his gun for the relic around his, you know, and, and Zach, I know you like ended the scene with the fight because you like blew up the well, main sir, dude. I also started it by shooting the guy because I knew Ian was going to do something horrible. Yep. I was about to say he also started it. <laughs> yeah, 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 and finished it. <laughs> he did finish it. He did. Well, yeah, and then Rob just like comes in after the scene is over, just like shooting fireballs into the air. Uh, me being held by I think Rob, no, being held by Ian, jumping out of a plane while Lindsay is fl- flying it, and me shooting guns at the night gods, tearing up the airplane we're in. Yes, you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like a right? yo-yo. Yeah. yeah, he was essentially a yo-yo. And as far as that whole big fight at the camp that caused basically a war in, in a medical aid camp, nonetheless, they faced the enemies that were meant to be of, like, five different scenarios all in one scenario, and I was just running the game like, I don't think you guys are going to live, but somehow it all worked out. <laughs> Dynamite. Dynamite, yeah. Dynamite, man. That's true. Well, Ian elbow dropping that snake in the temple. Um, I I also really liked the little moments I had with your character, Brian, with his psychological um, just uh, capabilities and how I was able to give you insights that y'all weren't necessarily supposed to know. Yeah, every time there was like a break and I would go to sleep because I would like my character would like write in his journal because he was like very adamant about that that was his treasured possession was his journal uh and long term i was like oh this is gonna help my sanity yep this is how it's gonna work uh so and every time i'd like write in the journal and go to sleep i would have like either a vision or i would talk to somebody else but i didn't know who they were and yeah i would i'm i'm excited for when that comes back because i'm i'm keeping that alive we're not no, know. that's fine. Well, actually, I was planning for you to become a pivotal star or character of the story. 
um, going in further just because your capabilities. Because at first, whenever you guys told me, like, oh, Brian's going to play a psychological character or something with hypnotism, and I'm just sitting there like, oh, shit, how's this going to throw a monkey wrench in it? But in actual, all actuality, I was able to give you guys tidbits of information that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Yeah, it was the parapsychologic parapsychologist mystic that was it yeah that was the the um the feat and i took hypnotism or clairvoyance i think i took clairvoyance and i had to like sit down like i was trying to like find out the uh you know why somebody was shooting at us and it was like the first day and i you know had to attempt a role play all right i'm gonna try and get into these people's heads and then Oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead, I was just going to talk about Anne, the Winchester heiress. Oh, no, you go ahead. Talk about Annie. <laughs> well, I just, that was definitely one of the first characters I ran into that was just like, money solves all my problems. But she had that kind of wild girl edge to her. Mm-hmm. And um, I had some big plans for you two involving um, your mechanic friend that helped you work on your plane. Oh, we yeah. were going to get into it heavily in the dreamlands, but oh, we man. never got there. Oh, um, man. That favorite, sounds great. My favorite part of that <laughs> is being a foil to Lindsay's character, because my character was a bastard. There's no other way to say it. He was a oh, bastard. Yeah. But he's her favorite we go bastard. Into, we go into that survey office, and then I say I'm locking the door, and like Pat's eyes are like, I don't know what's going to happen. And Lindsay's like, Jesus Christ. I hope this doesn't go bad. Here we go. Those were my eyes the majority of that. I was, like Ian was saying the other day, I was kind of piloting with one hand. Because there were so many times I was like, oh man, we're going off the rails here. But, you know, it was working out, I think. Landed a, I landed a burning plane. That was pretty rad. You did. I, th- I did. I think you rolled like a, a two to monster. land that thing. You rolled hot. I did. Yeah, yeah, it was like a two or a three or something. I was like, hell yeah. There you go. And- I'm sorry, Lindsay, like, after the fact, I think I divulged to you, like, yeah, had you decided to drive your own plane and let these guys sit, you know, in whatever plane this is, you would have had uh, a dogfight with those night haunts in the air with your oh, plane. Like, mother yeah, <laughs> I was like, that would have been so cool. But it's also just ridiculous that you're like, if you had flown your own plane, like, it's ridiculous. It's great, though. I love it. <laughs> um. I have to say one of my favorite moments um, was actually in Children of Fear. Um, And like we had mentioned, Zach had created this gaunt character um, and he had presented characters with objects that um, basically dark objects in a way. Yes, cursed objects. And my character's brother, whom she was very close with, um, like I said, she was a nurse in the war and her brother... Um, was actually uh, a war photographer. And so in a dream, she was she was given this this camera and then it manifest in reality. Uh, and there was a moment with the um, with I, I as with Tenzin, which is a character we mentioned earlier as well, who was kind of our guide, spiritual guide as well. Um, and she went to him about it, um, and he, teaches her how to meditate basically and um and it was a way for her to she was trying to find a way to disconnect herself from this very obviously very cursed item and manifest into this 
really awesome moment of something that I hadn't even realized about my character that I think Zach had realized, which was kind of a codependency with her brother and like this relationship that she wasn't really living for herself. I don't know if that's what you intended, Zach, but that's how it I was one of my favorite is my favorite um, moment of that whole campaign. It was it was really it was amazing. It was, yeah, it was the most growth of any character I think I've like I don't know RP. Also, with. that camera was mean as crap. It was like basically 1930s Polaroid, but it showed evil crap. Yeah um, it 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 was it, it was constantly like you know death threats from my from you know it was showing my brother in horrible situations. It was sending me it it would give me a photo a very disturbing photo and on the back there would always usually be some kind of note from gaunt um you know usually vaguely threatening you know in a you know in that way but yeah that's probably one of my favorite moments i think so far yeah i will say i i went back recently to start reading our children of fear campaign and it's still a fun read. I was, it's almost nostalgic in looking at it. I just wish um, I could save my page or wherever I'm at while I'm reading it. It's a lot of scrolling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, RC, I didn't want to leave you out of that. you have any follow-ups? Uh, I'm, I'm really just waiting to get more into it. Um, that I feel like I've missed out on a bunch of the campaigns because I've I guess I'm the latecomer because I think uh, Brian started a little bit before me. Um, not man, not much. I'm really glad that you yeah, came. I, I'm just time. waiting for uh, new opportunities to see uh, how all this plays out. <laughs> well, uh, as I I've told Zach before, but I do intend to try and run pulp something this summer whenever I get back from my outages. So. I was thinking it will probably be two-headed serpent because I was enjoying the hell out of it and we didn't get to finish, so you know. Yay. I'm totally fine with a, a continuation of two-headed serpent. Still have my Otherwise. character sheet ready to go. Now would the players involved would they want to continue where we left off or would y'all want uh, a reset? That's more of a conversation at the time we might need to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but I think that's uh, was that everybody got off their chest all your Call of Duty yeah. related topics. I have one thing. Mm-hmm. I really love Call of Cthulhu. It's my favorite. No, it's it's definitely my favorite. I think everyone should try it out. I think in terms of like dollar value, the books you get from them are ten times better than whatever Wizards of the Coast is giving you. Okay, I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight, and this is Ask the GMs Podcast. Join us next week when we cover the OSR and Dungeon Crawl Classics.